0: Having a conversation with a friend a few years ago, and we were talking about spiritual habits, disciplines that help us to become the kind of people we want to be. And in that conversation, he used a metaphor which really stuck with me, that has helped me in my own journey. And it's one I think will be helpful for all of us. And here's what he said He said, You know, I used to engage with the Bible sort of as a library. I, I would open the Bible, and when I would read, I would read for like knowledge and to glean information and, and, and to just to, you know, and all of that's good stuff, right? But he said, I, I went to the Bible like a library. He had a metaphor change, and there's something about the power of metaphors that can help us to see things differently, that can turn the lights on about something. He said, now, when I go to the Bible, I look at the Bible not so much as a library, but I look at the Bible as a coffee shop. What do you do at a coffee shop? You talk to a friend, you go, hey, let's meet the coffee. Let's get some coffee together, right? He says, I go to the Bible now to, to meet with a friend, a really close friend, and to get to know better the one who wants to be central in my life, and his name is, is Jesus. A library or a coffee shop? You might go, I hate coffee. All right, you don't like coffee, all right? Put like Mitchells in there, you know, a Chick-fil-A, milkshake, whatever it is you like. Where would you go to meet with the friend and go, if I were to just say, this is a comfortable place for me to get to know someone, to to meet with them, and to to grow in the relationship, to go deeper, where would you go? It's what Jesus wants for us. Beginning a new series today called Devoted. Devoted. I think it's, we're starting with this one because I think it's one of the best goals that you and I can have for this year. That word devoted is what I want to describe my life, what I want to describe your life, not just devoted to anything, but devoted to Jesus. And you'll see the subtitle if you look at the message notes in your online bulletin, or maybe you picked them up on the way in if those of you are here. And the subtitle says this, six habits for a growing relationship with God. That's, that's our goal. And you know what I love? Is that's Jesus' goal for us as well. That we're in partnership with him. So it's not that he just sort of says, hey, we'll see you later, see you in heaven. And we're sort of on our own. He goes, no, no, I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit. And I want you to work out your salvation. But it's also me working within you to make you the kind of person I want you to be. And so Jesus, you think when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? And without hesitation, he goes, the greatest command is this, to love the Lord your God, how? With all your heart. That's devotion, right? All your soul and mind and strength. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart. He goes, you can summarize all of the scripture and and that to love God with all your heart and to love other people around you. So when I engage with the Bible, we're going to come back to this, I, I want to grow to love him more. When Peter is being reinstated after a miserable failure, remember Peter denies even knowing Jesus after having spent the last three years with him, and they're on the shores of Lake Galilee, and Jesus is about to reinstate Peter uh, into the mission, and the only question that Jesus asks Peter is, do you what? Do you love me? Three times, do you love me? Are you devoted? And I I really believe it's the same question he asks of you and of me. Do you you love me? Are you you growing to love me with all your heart? Are, Are you devoted? That's our goal. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, I want you to have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ to be devoted to Christ. So here's my invitation I'm going to give you to help you grow in your devotion to the Lord uh, for uh, for 2022. I want you to get to know Jesus better uh, by getting to know him through the Bible, having coffee with Jesus. And you see on the screen there, the plan that we're going to be doing as a church family. If you already have a plan, that's awesome. But if you don't have a plan, you can just point your phone at that QR code or go to the link in our bulletin or in my message notes. We put it everywhere. You can send me a personal email and I'll send you the link. That's how much. I just want you to engage with us in this one. It's free. It's easy. And, and that's I, I want you to be on a journey with us this year because I want you to know Jesus better. For this to be a year of growth. And really, friends, without Without this book, without having time with Jesus, you, you can't grow. But when you do, when this word gets into your life and into your heart, wow, powerful impact. Let me just share one example. I could share tons of them, but we have a friend, Mary and I do, who um, had been part of the Grace family. She's since moved away, but she was in a tragic accident with her husband. She almost uh, did not survive. Uh, She was in the hospital for weeks. Uh, Her husband was killed. Uh, They had two children, a two-year-old and a newborn. So she gets out of the hospital. She's in physical recovery. She's lost her husband. She's a single mom, and she's crushed. And she would send us emails, and her emails would have... Like one verse after another, I just want to read you just a portion of an email that she sent. She said, The one thing that has carried me through has been God's word. Here are a few verses I held on to and still hold on to every day. And she writes out a whole bunch of verses. Then she said, God is closer, He loves greater, He is a faithful husband to a widow, our best friend for counsel, always present. He gives us new grace every day, faith for every struggle, and gives us hope for the best is yet to come. She's having coffee with Jesus on a regular basis. She's devoted, and it shows like her roots are deep. She has a strength in her life. Friends, when you and I engage in that way and we get to know Jesus, our souls become healthy, And there's a strength and a confidence in our lives that sustains us through some of the challenges that inevitably come our way. How do we get there? What are some steps that you and I can take to dial up our devotion to Jesus? I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, um, Psalm chapter 1, and if you need a Bible, you know, a paper Bible, the Bible app's a great place to go. Notes, I mentioned, are in your bulletin. Before we do that, we're going to pray. And I want to just mention two things before we pray. One, uh, we have a family we dearly love here at Grace, uh, Drew and Michelle Brown, and their four children are going to be moving to Costa Rica this week. It's a new assignment for them. They're going to be living there long-term basis. They're staying in one of the mission homes from Grace right now. And uh, they will be uh, back occasionally uh, every couple of years, but they're leaving this week and they're going to be training people uh, to make an impact uh, in Costa Rica and beyond. We're gonna pray for them in a second here. The second uh, family we wanna pray for is the Bartek family. Some of you saw in the news on Friday night that there was a carjacking on Friday night where a 25-year-old police officer off-duty was shot and killed. Um, Shane grew up at Grace. Uh, he, he's been a part of the Grace family. Uh, talked to his, his mom, Bree, yesterday, and was just, Bree, if you're watching right now, just so moved by your faith, and our hearts ache with you, the loss of your son. Um, Shane, uh, this happened over by Cam's Corner. Uh, it's on the front page of The Plain Dealer today. Uh, his daughter, or I'm sorry, his sister, his twin sister, Summer, also grew up in our kids' ministry. They were my third daughter's age and uh, knew their dad uh, Their dad uh, died three years ago unexpectedly. And, and now they deal with the loss of a brother and a son, older brother Eric as well. And so the funeral will be this week. Uh, I would love to have you pray that God would be honored in that as well. Lots of other needs that we can bring to Jesus, but we've had some brokenness and I just wanted to mention that before we pray. So, Lord, we turn to you. Uh, Sometimes words just feel inadequate. Words feel inadequate on the phone, uh, talking with someone who's suffering deeply. And sometimes, Lord, words feel inadequate when we talk with you. But I thank you for the peace that you promise and that we can take shelter under the shadow of your wings. And so, Lord, we just declare today that our trust is in you. We pray for Brie and for Summer and for Eric and the entire Bartek family that you would pour out grace. Show yourself again to be the God who is close to the brokenhearted. Bind up their wounds, we pray. Lord, for the Brown family, for Drew and Michelle, Noel, Alethea, Asher, Isaiah, we pray pray that you would go before them as they moved to Costa Rica demonstrate your faithfulness over and over again to them lord for the thousands of people left homeless because of fires in denver and lord we could just say for the homeless in our own city we ask lord that you would show your kindness and Lord, where you prompt us, may we be those who just give generously and care for people like you do. And Lord, I realize that there are some very personal needs represented among people here, those engaging online. You know every need before we bring one of them to you. And so we just bring our cares. You said we can cast our cares on you. What an invitation. And you care for us. So we thank you for that. Lord, you know the brokenness in my own spirit over uh, just a number of these things, and I thank you that you are strength in times of weakness. So we trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm so grateful for the privilege of prayer. What a great God we have. And and it's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about this message. In Psalm chapter 1, what the psalmist does is gives us a visualization of the soul Because we can't see the soul. You can't see my soul right now. You hear me say I'm sort of dealing with some brokenness, heartache. But there's something about the soul that determines the strength of our lives. And what the psalmist does here is he gives us a picture, a a visualization of of the soul. And he says, your soul can either be like this or it can be like this. And it can either be unhealthy or healthy. And uh, he tells us, what that looks like. And I want us to look at this Psalm, the six verses, and then just have a couple of things that you can walk away with today and say, okay, am I going to make those choices or not for the sake of of my own soul health and the impact of my life, my devotion? Psalm chapter one, verse one, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed means you're, you experience what God has in mind for you. There's a sense of things are right, even a happiness. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to what? Destruction. Did you catch the two kinds of individuals he talked about? In verses one to three, he says, he talks about the life and the destiny of those who are devoted to God, and he says their lives—if you were to visualize their soul—they're like a what? Like a tree, like a tree, right? Strong and rooted. It doesn't matter what storm comes; that even in the, when the, in the storm, that they're, they're, they have this strength about them. They give shade and, and they bear fruit. And then in verses four to six, he describes the life and destiny of a person who goes their own way. And and here's what it is either you're a tree, or he says. If you're not a tree, you guys can zoom in here a little bit. He says, I showed a lot of nuts to get this yesterday, so it better work well. He says, you're like the what? The chaff, that the that the wind, what? Blows away. The wind comes to the tree, and there's a strength. The, the tree might, you might see the leaves, but... He says, or if you have no regard for God, you're like, you're just, you're blown away. I'm gonna ask a really stupid question. Someone said, there's no stupid questions. I disagree. There are some stupid questions. And this is one of them. Which one of these do you want to represent your life? And if you're saying chaff, we need to have another conversation here, okay? Because that is really stupid as well. I think all of us, we go, I want to be like a tree, right? I want to have roots that go deep. I want my soul to be healthy. How do I get there? What does it look like? What are the steps we take so we can, like Bree, who, who just loses his son or, or the person I talked about earlier whose husband's tragically, how, how, whatever storm you face that you can say, whatever I face, I want my life to be rooted and strong. I want to be devoted to the Lord. Here's the big point. It's choice, not chance, that determines my destiny. Would you say that aloud with me? You ready? It's choice, not chance, that determines my destiny. First, it's the kind of choice we make as to the influence that we allow into our lives. Here's what he says in verse one. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Here's what he's saying. Number one in your notes, a person devoted to the Lord chooses their company carefully. They avoid the influence of people who have no regard for the Lord. Now notice the the progression here. He talks about walk Stand, sit. Let me just read that verse again. You'll see it. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockery. Now look up here one second. Here's what he's saying. When you're walking and you're walking, like you're walking outside a store, you're looking through the window, you're going, huh, that looks sort of good right there. And you're starting to ponder a little bit and, 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 and you're thinking about like, what am I? And then he says, you, you stand. You stand and now you're going like, you might make a U-turn. You're thinking about going the other way and you're in trouble. And then he says, the next one is you do what? You don't just walk by, you don't just stand, you do what? You sit. And here you've been caught in the trap. You're like, I'm just going to let the influence of people who have no regard for God, the toxins of indiscriminate, I'm just going to allow that into my life. He says, if you are not selective in the kind of company you keep, the kind of influence you allow into your life, You're going to be in trouble. The two clarifications here. And I probably have that stuff all over my rear end now. Uh, i just look at you from the front. And I promise to the facility team, we'll get a vacuum cleaner out here. And Two clarifications. This does not mean, if you're thinking, does that mean I can never hang out with people who don't follow Jesus? No, that doesn't mean that. To have, the question is, which way is the influence traveling? When you hang out with people from your workplace or you're in a bowling league or wherever it is, is the, are they influencing you away from Christ or are you influencing them even by your kindness example, the fruit of the spirit, the gentleness, the kindness, et cetera? Are, are, are you encouraging them to, to consider what you have that they want? That's clarification number one. doesn't mean you can't hang out with people who don't love Jesus. The question is one of influence. The second clarification is this. It's not just hanging out with people out there like, oh, I don't even like bowling. Uh, it's what you allow into your home and into your soul. You know, what do you mean? Can I just be really transparent here for a second? It's, it's stuff like indiscriminate Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, TV, social media, whatever it is, When I say the key word there is indiscriminate, that sometimes we literally just sit and we just allow stuff, we we don't pay attention to what we watch or how much we watch, and we just allow anything through the filter of our mind and into our heart. And he says, when you do that, you're gonna become more like the chaff and less like the tree. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. What kind of influence are you allowing in your life. There's a verse in your notes. You'll see it on the screen here as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says this, do not be misled. Bad company, what? Corrupts good character. He says, come back to your senses. Like wake up, quit being asleep at the wheel and stop sinning. There's a better way. Look at verse two. David's just to end with a negative. He says in verse one here, he says, a spiritually strong person chooses not to do this. And then he moves on to verse two and he says, but you will find them choosing this. Verse two, whose delight is in what? The law of the Lord, the Bible, and who meditates on his law day and night. I I love that word, powerful word, delight, that you delight in God's word. You find joy in it. It's a treasure to you. It's, you think of what else do you treasure in lo- your life? I delight in my wife, like she's a treasure to me. And when you delight in God's word, you're, it's, you're having coffee with Jesus, right? You're not just delighting in the words of a book, you're delighting in the person that the written word reveals, and that's the living word. You delight in it, you meditate on it, you chew on it, you think about it, you take a verse, you're like, I, I want to remember that one, you put it on the you know, the dash of your car, or you tape it to your computer, you make it your screensaver, whatever. And you allow the word of God to begin to s- soak up into your life and your root system. Why do we do this? Not just because we like the words, it's because we're meeting a person. You know, Jesus in John chapter five says, Jesus says, he says this, the scriptures... He's saying, this book right here, you know who it points to? He goes, it points, he says, to me. That's what Jesus says. Remember the metaphor? The Bible is not so much a library. It's like a coffee shop. Some of you have heard me talk about how I used to read the Bible when I was uh, earlier in my Christian life. I was in high school. And there are days that I'd, I wouldn't read my Bible. And all of a sudden, I'd be like, I'd be going to sleep and I'd be like, oh. I read my Bible today. And I open a Bible and I just go, uh, so in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign and the eighth day of the month, whew, okay, read the Bible today. And it was sort of superstitious. I thought I'm probably gonna do better on the exam tomorrow. My, my shooting percentage in basketball is gonna go up a little bit because I'm, I'm getting into God's word. I totally missed the point, didn't I? I missed the point that when I open this book, it's to meet a person. It's to know somebody. The goal of Bible reading is to meet with Jesus. So how do we do that? He, he just says, come, come and drink, that he's the living water. And I put my roots down. If you just visualize this in your, that I put my roots of my life down and I, I feed on God's word and there's a powerful impact to that. We delight in God's word because we delight in Him. We're devoted. And then, secondly, if you're following along in your notes, a person who's devoted to the Lord has lasting impact even in hard times. Verse 3. Here's what he says. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's a description of a person who stands strong in the storms of life. He says, like a tree planted. they're not a wild shrub, just sort of like some weed that quickly, he says, you're like a planted tree. There's intentionality. There's purpose by streams of water. In other words, there's, there's a thoughtful attention given to the root system. You'll see this line on the screen here. It says this, if you want to bear life-giving fruit, you give first attention to your roots. If you want To bear fruit, you give attention to your roots. Did you know that if you have a tree in your yard or you're out in the metro parks, that a tree under the surface generally stretches on average three times wider than the tree branches above the surface? Some of you going, I know that because I look at my sidewalk and you got buckling up and you're like, the branches don't come anywhere near that, but the roots do, right? Right? They've been pushing up your sidewalk, getting into your pipes or whatever. Why does that happen? Because the health of a tree above the ground is determined by the health of the roots below the ground, those roots that sink deep and are looking for water. He says, if you want to be a healthy person, get to know God by being like a tree whose roots go deep. Generally, it's hidden, right? You can't see the root system, just maybe the tops of them, but where those connect with the water, life-giving water, is generally hidden. It's like our spiritual habits, right? That when I get into God's word, when I spend time with Jesus, often that's something more private, right? I'm talking to him, I'm, I'm listening, I'm spending time of solitude, and it might be for you, you might say, how much are you looking for? You might set a timer for eight minutes a day and just say, this is my time with Jesus, I'm gonna to listen to his word. I'm gonna to talk to him. You start praying in the car more on the way to work or wherever you go. It's your choices and your habits that you make to say, I, I wanna be a person who's devoted. It's your choices, not chance, that determine your destiny. I want you to be the kind of person, I wanna be the kind of person who, who there's just something inside where I go, God, I, I wanna know you better. I want to experience more and more of you in in, in my life. And God, I want to be like a tree. I I don't want to be like this chap that just blows away and is good for nothing. Here's my ask of you today. To help your roots go deep, to nurture your soul, to be devoted to Jesus, to get to know him better, would you join us on a journey through the Bible? I've had people over and over again say, Jonathan, the best thing I've done is to get into God's word. You know, we have like 30 minutes on a Sunday morning to look into God's word together, right? But when you're feeding your own roots and not just waiting once a week, but you're feeding your roots and saying, Jesus, I, I wanna I want be like a tree. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Download uh, onto your, uh, that onto your phone or your device, your computer, that plan right there. Read the Bible, one story that leads to Jesus. You can use the QR code. You can go to your bulletin. You can go to the email I sent out to the church family the other day, which you can sign up for on our website. And and there's about three chapters a day on average. There's about three videos a week that'll help you to understand the scripture better, the context. In fact, just to give you a head start, I'm gonna have us watch right now one five-minute summary of the Bible. If you're wondering, like what is the Bible all about, here's the Bible in five minutes, and then we'll come back and wrap up. Okay, here it is.
1: The Bible. It's one of the most influential books
2: in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired
1: many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And... These prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle.
2: So, there's a lot of different authors writing this book.
1: Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand-year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures begin to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophets' point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. No.
2: There were other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well.
1: Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures.
2: So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this?
1: Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward.
2: Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead.
1: Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called Apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these Good News, or the Gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around
2: the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture.
1: Yeah, the Apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel.
2: So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature?
1: Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures.
2: Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. we got these other Second Temple period works then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement
1: has taken different forms over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as Scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical Books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I
2: got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story?
1: Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video.
2: So that's the kind of
0: video you'll get to watch to understand the context, the literary genre, et cetera, to know the Bible better, but not just to know the Bible better, but to understand Jesus better, to know him. Because as it says, it's all one unified story pointing to to Jesus. You know, it's why the uh, early followers of Jesus, it says in Acts chapter two, it says that they devoted themselves, there's that word again, to the apostles' teaching. Uh, and other things, but the apostles' teaching is the first part, and it's why it's the first one for us today, to say, Lord, we want to know you in the Bible. Friends, this is the best thing you can do for you, to know Jesus, to have coffee with Jesus. He's not just a friend. He's the King and Lord of all, but he wants us to know him, to understand him, to love him, to follow him with all of our hearts. And when we do, when this book becomes the basis for our lives and we drink it up into our, we become like a tree. A tree that, well, just things happen. Your confidence grows. Your ability to withstand a storm and the challenges of life is strengthened. Your influence broadens. Your character is shaped. So many things happen and you begin to understand that the same God who always worked through history is the same God today. Let me close with this story. Gladys Aylward was a missionary in China back during World War II, 1930s, 40s, and she was an unlikely missionary candidate. She was sort of a very petite person who dealt with some physical problems, and, uh, and when she first applied to a mission board, they said, you know, we don't think you're healthy enough to go. She persisted and insisted, and finally she gets to China. She had about 100 children in the orphanage that she ran. In fact, maybe you've seen the movie about her life. World War II hits, and things turn into there are critical moments, especially when the Japanese invade China, and she knows that in order to survive, that that she's going to need to take the kids away, and and uh, because the Japanese are approaching their city, so they make their way on a trek through a mountain pass, a treacherous mountain pass, under the cover of darkness. Imagine what is Mary and I have five kids and we got in the car. Are we what? Are we there yet? Uh, Having a hundred kids who are walking in the middle of the night and uh, it would be crazy. So Gladys is sort of, she's like, I don't know if we're going to survive. One of the girls in the orphanage, a 13-year-old girl comes up and says, Miss Aylward, she said, you know what? One of my favorite stories you ever taught us, it was about Moses and how God parted the Red Sea, and he watched over them, and he can do that for us. Gladys looks down at the girl, and she says, yeah, I I really like that story too, but I am not Moses. And the girl looked up at her, and she said, I know, Miss Aylward, you're not Moses, but God is still God. God is still God. Would you say it aloud with me? You ready? God is still God. Some of you need to know that today. You need to know that as you are looking to the year ahead, that God is still God. He's unchanging. And when you get to know him in this book and you see who he is and you say, God, you're still God. Your love for him will grow. And my prayer is that our devotion will deepen. Let's dial it up this year. Are you with me? Let's get to know Jesus through the word. I invite you on the journey. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you that we can know you. Thank you for allowing us to get a window into your heart, into your ability, your power, because we can see how you've worked through history and we can we can spend time with you even today. Lord, what an amazing privilege is ours. But Lord, we know that resolutions or whatever we want to call them can often falter and so we just pray for the help of your holy spirit. Holy spirit come and strengthen us. Let our roots go deep. Help us to drink from your word and for our love for you to grow. That's what we want. We want to become like those trees. We need your help. Strengthen us for the journey ahead we pray in your name and all of those who wanted to happen said Amen. May it be.